It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome into another edition of the Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. We are all together within the MLB.com studios. The end of a long day for you guys. Taping uh, the Top 100 Prospects show over in Secaucus. That'll be on Saturday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time on MLB Network. Also streamed on MLB.com. And then you guys zipped across the river. Well, under the river. And got here to do more segments here. So it's been a busy day. Hopefully there's enough energy left in this room to, to battle through a Pipeline podcast. But Jonathan, you just said you, you feel good. I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I, I always have a little something left in the, in the tank for the Pipeline podcast. I can't even say Pipeline podcast, but yes. That's, that's how why excited, I'm here. That's why I am so excited. All right. You excited as well? I'm very excited. All right. Jim's excited too. So the first thing we have to talk about, and we're going to get into some top 10 lists. We can't talk about that top 100 list yet. We'll get into that next week on the podcast, but more top 10 lists. Before we get to that, though, uh, a week ago on this podcast, we had Jose DeLeon on because he was one of the top 10 right-handed pitchers, according to your guys' list. And then he was a, a proud member of the Los Angeles Dodgers organization. Jonathan, you asked him about trade rumors. He talked positively about them and, and, and all that stuff. And then since then, he's been traded to the Rays. Um, I know those rumors have been swirling. Were you surprised at all that it actually happened this week? Well, there's a reason why we don't have a guest on this week. <laughs> yeah, nobody wanted sure to we, we don't want to. We tried. Right. But, uh, you know, he, he reacted to positively. You know, all the rumors had been about him being involved in some trade for Brian Dozier. Uh, and then when the Dodgers decided that the Twins' asking price was too high, they, they looked elsewhere for the second baseman they felt they needed. Uh, so, no, I'm not surprised that he was traded. Uh, but uh, maybe a little surprised where he went. And I think the Rays did a very nice job, uh, and, and maybe that works out for both teams. Uh, but I think, you know, De Leon still has some upside. Uh, he's, you know, really starting to figure things out. Uh, but he, he throws strikes and he misses bats. Uh, that's a good combination. And he's ready to contribute at the big league level. And I think that's a great combination for an organization like Tampa. Evan Longoria disagrees with you about the trade. Uh, he came out and kind of said that he was sorry to see Logan Forsythe go. But, but I'm sure maybe once he sees Jose DeLeon pitch, he'll, he'll maybe change his mind there. Where does DeLeon fit in there with the Rays, who just traded from a surplus of pitching away, and now they bring in another pitcher? But he's got to be in that rotation, right? Well, you would think, although, I mean, they, they do have six pitchers for five spots right now, which makes you wonder. I mean, the Rays, before they made that trade, were also rumored to possibly be trading another starter so they could – Spin, uh, spin another young major league starter and save some money by trading him from prospects too. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, the with the trade. The one thing that was that was curious just about the way the Dodgers handled De Leon last year when he was a little nicked up at the beginning of the season, but it seemed like they could have called him up earlier than they did, and they waited and waited. I mean, this was a team that had numerous pitching injuries, and it seemed like they they took forever to call him up. And then you heard his name in trade rumors all offseason. Hey, we're going to trade him for Brian Dozier, or you know, we're going to get a second baseman, whatever. It makes you wonder if the Dodgers thought they knew something or know something about De Leon that the rest of us don't. But I'm with Jonathan. Guys who throw, he throw, there are very few pitchers in the minor leagues the last you know, two and a half years who have thrown as many strikes and missed as many bats 
is Jose De Leon. He's got one of the best changeups in the minor. He's got a good fastball. Yeah, the slider could be a little bit better, but I, I think it's really easy to see this guy becoming a number three starter, and the ceiling's probably a number two. Uh, and so I, I, I'll just be curious to see how the trade plays out, because I'm with Jonathan. I think it could work out very nicely for the Rays. Sorry to hear that you and Evan Longoria have a, a feud going. <laughs> Hopefully that won't. It's continue. a long-standing feud, really. Um, so I know, I know Evan's never liked you, but uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, and like I said, I'm curious to see. You know, is there another move? We're going to see the Rays trade Ozarizzi. We're going to see him trade Chris Archer. Is there another trade up their sleeve? We certainly wish Jose De Leon the best of luck. He's now officially a friend of the podcast after coming on last Absolutely. week. And he was really a great guest. Fantastic. Um, he was really good, and now he heads to the Rays to join a, a young team that, that I think still thinks with their pitching that they can contend in a, certainly a tough American League East. All right, let's move on to the top ten lists, and you guys have – Last week we did right-handers, left-handers, catchers, and first base. So we're filling out the diamond this week, and that starts at second base. And I'll go through the top ten. We'll start at number ten, Eliezer Alvarez. Sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Carlos Sosuaje, number nine. Luis Urias, number eight. And then it's Scott Kingery of the Phillies, Scott. seven. That's pronounced Scott. <laughs> Andy Abanez with the Rangers, number six. <clears throat> Travis Demerit of the Braves, five. Willie Calhoun, four. Another Dodger. Then Ian Happ with the Cubs, three. Ozzy Albies, who is now a second baseman after being a shortstop on these lists a year ago, number two. And then Yuan Moncada who looked like he was going to end up being a third baseman at the Red Sox. Now that he's with the White Sox, uh, probably solidly back as a second baseman. Uh, Jim, why don't you weigh in on one of these bottom five guys, the 6 through 10 group? Yeah, I really appreciate, Tim, you giving me the, the thinnest position, the position that's hardest felt the top 10 to let me pick from Just the bottom half of the list. It's challenging. Uh, I, I, the guy who kind of intrigues me, though, here is Luis Urias of the Padres. Uh, guy won the batting title in the MVP award the Cal League last year as a 19-year-old. I mean, he's kind of, he's not a one-tool guy, but the bat clearly stands out for him far and above the rest of his tools. He makes a lot of contact, not a lot of power in his swing or his approach. He's, he's an average defender, average runner, but the bat is really interesting. Cal League, obviously a great place to hit. I'll be curious to see how he does when he gets to AA next year. Jonathan, in that top five, it's, it's easier to kind of dish out the superlatives about these guys. But do you have a favorite? I mean, Mankata's obviously in the debate as far as number one prospect around baseball. But, but I want your favorite, yeah. not the best guy. No, I get it. But I want to say, first of all, I love all second basemen equally. <laughs> I'm not a second baseman elitist like Jim is. Evan Longoria is a third baseman. Right. That's, why. So, that's right. That's, that's a whole different story. <laughs> I'm not consistent. It's okay. So you're saying any of these guys can play third base for the Rays? That is not what I'm saying <laughs> at all. Evan, I'm really sorry. Um, I, I'm going to pick Willie Calhoun. Uh, and there's uh, another guy who he may not end up at second base when all is said and done. Maybe he's a left fielder. But the, the guy can really, really hit. I mean, he had 31 homers uh, in one year at junior college and gets drafted in the fourth round. And I remember I was a little surprised when the Dodgers sent him straight to double A to start the year. And I knew that, you know, people liked his bat, but it was junior college. You don't know. And then he went and hit 27 more homers. Uh, he only struck out 65 times with 503 at-bats. He walked a decent amount. And then we saw, got to see him up close uh, you know, in the Arizona Fall League. And he is one of those, the ball makes a different sound off of his bat kind of guys. It was so much fun to watch take batting practice and watch hit. I mean, in games, he can really, really hit. You know, he's... He's not the body type, quote-unquote, you know, that you see at second base. He's below average runner. He works really hard at it. So maybe he's an offensive-minded second baseman, but he's never going to be a particularly strong defender there. But the bat's going to get him to the big leagues. 
All right, let's move over to the hot corner, um, and I think a, a deeper position maybe than second base, at least from Jim Callis' opinion on, on the second baseman, um, where there's some good players, but third baseman, a position, obviously more power there. Uh, so we'll count it down from 10 to 1. Hunter Dozier, the Royals, number 10. Cabrian Hayes with the Pirates, number 9. Austin Riley in Atlanta, number 8. Miguel Andujar with the Yankees, number 7. Then Matt Chapman, maybe the best defender in this group with the A's at 6. Jamer Candelario of the Cubs at five. Then it's Christian Arroyo of the Giants. Vlad Guerrero Jr. of the Blue Jays. Nick Senzel of the Reds, who's been on this podcast. And then Rafael Devers of the Red Sox, the number one guy uh, and one of the, the real spotlight guys that's still left in that Red Sox organization. Uh, Jonathan, six through ten, who do you love on that list? I'm, uh, I'm going to give Austin Riley some love. And uh, he has been a, a bit of a polarizing figure, especially among... Braves fans, uh, you know, in terms of where he should be ranked. And this is a guy who came out in his summer debut and had a huge debut, uh, 12 homers and 217 at-bats. Uh, I think it surprised a lot of people that he tapped into his power so quickly, especially because there were some teams who liked him better as a pitcher. Um, then he, he came out first full season in the South Atlantic League and really kind of struggled. Uh, in, the, in the first half, the power didn't show up. He slugged 372 in the first half, but he made adjustments. Hit 17 homers, slugged 581 in the second half of the season. Helped Rome win the South Atlantic League title uh, when all is said and done. And, yeah, there's a lot of swing and miss. He, he struck out, I think, 147 times and didn't walk a ton. That's going to have to change. The strikeouts don't worry me. It's the, the walks. The walk rate improved tremendously in the second half. And the strikeout rate dropped, and those are all good signs. So I think the power is is extremely legitimate. Maybe he's a first baseman when all is said and done, uh, but uh, I think the bat will profile at either corner. And then Jim, how about that top five? The guy, one of the guys who probably intrigues me about as much as any player in the minor leagues right now is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's he, he looks like his dad, not quite as tall as his dad, but. Very similar offensive ceiling. Now, his dad's probably going to go into the Hall of Fame next year. He just missed this year, which tells you what kind of upside Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has. I mean, when you're, when you're drawing up a hitter, I mean, he, he's got it all. He's got bat speed. He's got strength. He's got hand-eye coordination. He's got an advanced approach. He's got good plate discipline. Uh, it's just very exciting. He had tremendous pro debut as a 17-year-old in the Appalachian League, an advanced rookie league where he was one of the youngest players around. Walked almost as many times as he struck out. I just think this guy's going go to go to Class A this year, have a huge year, rock it up our, our top 100 prospect list. I think he'll be not necessarily in discussion for number one. I don't think it's out of their own possibility, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a top 10 prospect in all of baseball a year from now. question is, does he stay at third? He was better than advertised in his pro debut last summer. He already has a thick lower half. As he fills out, he'll probably slow down a little bit more. I think he winds up probably, you know, he might wind up in left field, but the bat is so big that I think he still can be a superstar in left field. Now, how about the arm compared to, obviously, his father had a cannon out there in right field. Does he have that arm? No, he's got a good arm. He's got enough arm to play third base. But, I mean, yeah. if you're just going pure arm strength, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. probably had an 80 arm. Right. Vladimir Jr. has got a good arm, but it's not that good. Vladimir Sr. might still have a 65 arm now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, moving on to shortstop now, and this is a deep position. We've, we've talked about it a lot, and a lot of these guys, uh, or maybe all of them will end up being, I think all of them will end up being in that MLBpipeline.com top 100. Not giving anything away there. That was vague no. enough, right? Yeah, yeah sure, no. you're good. You're right, good. Right, I think I'm you can good. even go a step further and say that believe all but one of them will be in the top 50. There you go. 
There you go. All right, we'll do that. I would not have gone that far. <laughs> Too much information. Yeah. All right, let's start at 10 and count them down. Franklin Barreto of the A's, Nick Gordon of the Twins, Jorge Mateo of the Yankees at number eight, one of two Yankees on this list. Then you have Kevin Maitan of the Braves, Willie Adames of the Rays at six. Then your top five, Brendan Rodgers of the Rockies, and then r really the elite guys here that are close to the majors in J.P. Crawford with the Phillies, Ahmed Rosario with the Mets, Dansby Swanson with the Braves. How about the National League East in a few years with all these shortstops? And then Glaber Torres of the Yankees. Uh, Jim, we start with you in that bottom five guys. Who really, who do you like the most? And one guy tells you, say, National League East, he doesn't count as a prospect anymore. you got Trey Turner for Nationals, too. So there's another yeah. good one, too. Feel feel bad for the Marlins. You need to go find a shortstop. <laughs> but but this, this is a loaded list. It's the exact opposite of the second base list. Kevin Maiton, you, you could talk about any of these guys, but Kevin Maiton, who is seventh on our shortstop list, cream of the international crop this summer. Guys are saying he's the best international prospect to come along since Miguel Cabrera. Switch hitter, raw power, knows how to use it, advanced approach. I, I think he can make an impact similar to what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did in his first pro season. I could see Maiton doing that in his first pro season this summer. As well, wouldn't be surprised if they skipped him a level or two and did send him to, to a league like the Appalachian League. And we were just talking about Austin Riley and how he may not wind up at third. I think Kevin Maiton will be one of the reasons that Austin Riley doesn't play third because you have all these shortstops in the Braves system. Ozzy Alvey's capable of playing shortstop. Nancy Swanson's a shortstop. Kevin Maiton's a shortstop. I think he winds up at third base. And if you're talking about a, a third baseman, Braves, switch hitter, power, there, there are going to be some parallels drawn to Chipper Jones along the way. And then when you look at those top five guys, I mean, these are five guys, Jonathan, who could all end up being impact players at the major league level. Uh, absolutely. I mean, th these are elite level guys. And I think I'll, I'll talk about Ahmed Rosario. I do the Mets list. And so I've been following him since, uh, since they signed him back in, in 2012 uh, for what is going to seem like a bargain of $1.75 million compared to some of the other bonuses and who I think he's going to be. They pushed him right away. The Mets actually have done that for a while. I think that, you know, philosophically, they like to push the really young players to full season ball and are not afraid to see them fail. Uh, I remember hearing about Rosario right after he signed and he was at Instructs and he was 16 and he looked like the best player on the field, like he belonged, uh, like he was older, all those things. And I think that helped inform their decision. And they've been pushing him since and he split the year between the Florida State League and the Eastern League last year. Last year was the first time that the numbers really caught up to his potential. He'd always held his own as one of the, if not the youngest player at his level. He hit 324 combined. He hit 341 once he made it up to, to double A. And the Eastern League is not a particularly good place to hit. Um, an 833 OPS. Oh, and he's got a plus arm and he's a plus defender at short. Uh, so tools package-wise, he's as exciting as I think anybody on this on this shortstop list uh, in terms of the all-around play that I think he's going to bring to New York pretty soon. As Of those top five shortstops, um, and they're all standout, I would think four of them, right, are locks to stay at shortstop with Rodgers maybe being the one exception that could end up moving? Yes and no. I mean, the, the Yankees do have D.D. Gregorius, who had a nice year, so it's possible that D.D. Gregorius could play shortstop, but they're all legitimate shortstops. Right. I mean, Crawford... And Rosario or anybody shortlist of the best defensive players in the minor leagues. The Braves already showed what they think of Dansby Swanson by moving the very capable Ozzie Albies over to second base. 
And Torres, even though he might move, it won't be because of, it would be because of Gregorius. It wouldn't be because of shortcomings. One of the interesting things about Glaber, it seems like every year when we talk to scouts, we hear better and better things about his defense. He's gone from, yeah, good chance he'll have to move to, ah, he's got a chance to stay at shortstop to now he can stay at shortstop. And I mentioned Rodgers, and, and we spent a lot of time with Rodgers before the draft, Jonathan, um, a couple of years ago. And a lot of people said, He's going to be a third baseman. He's going to be a third baseman. Now that we're a couple of years into his professional career, where's that stand? Uh, you know, it's interesting because he's actually played a lot of second yeah. base. He has not played third, um, which is where I think we thought if he had to move. Because of the power, I think. Right, right. I, I think that he could play shortstop. I've gotten you know decent reports when I've talked to people that he's, he's fine at short. Um, the Rockies, for a while now, have liked having guys play on, on both sides of second base uh, as long as they think it's it's necessary uh you know with trevor story at short um he was a guy who played on both sides of second i think a lot of people thought that story would end up being the second baseman and so we'll see when rogers gets there i think he'll keep playing on both sides of second obviously having him play third in that organization may not make a whole <laughs> lot of sense because i think nolan Arenado is going to be there for a while so yeah. um i i you know i think that uh that's part of the reason why uh they moved in the second i could see him being a very very good second baseman uh, especially offensive profile-wise. That would be a pretty talented infield out yep. there in Colorado if all those guys come <clears> together. All right, let's move on to the outfield, our final top ten. Uh, Kyle Lewis is number ten with the Mariners. Clint Frazier, the Yankees, lots of Yankees on this list. Manuel Margot of the Padres, number eight. Bradley Zimmer with the Indians, seven. Then Mickey Moniak, the number one pick in last year's draft, is number six. Lewis Brinson now with the Brewers, five. Aloy Jimenez with the Cubs, four. Austin Meadows with the Pirates, three. Victor Robles of the Nationals, two. And Andrew Benintendi, number one, another guy in that discussion for number one overall prospect in baseball. Jonathan, back to you for that six through ten list. Boy, this is also a, a really good list. Um, so I think you can get around. But in terms of favorites, I think i got to go with Clint Frazier. Um, and you know, he's kind of been a favorite since, since the draft. Um, you know, this is a guy with tremendous ability, uh, plays all out, kind of has a personality to, to match that red hair, uh, even if he's had to cut it since uh, going to, to the Yankees. Um, but what I think has been the most impressive is that the way he started his pro career, uh, people have talked about his bat speed since he was in high school, and it's ridiculous. He swung at everything the same way, uh, even in batting practice, for pretty much his entire first full season. The next year, he started out that way, and then it clicked, and he started getting more selective. He started drawing walks. Uh, I always go back to this two-at-bat sequence I saw in the Arizona Fall League when he was there in 2015 where he drew, like, uh, a nine-pitch walk, fouled off a couple pitches, sort of spit on a couple breaking balls, and then the next at-bat, he hit a homer the other way. Uh, and it wasn't a pole thing. He waited. He kept his hands back. And he has the kind of power he can hit out to all fields. And last year, he had a good year. Uh, struggled a little bit in AAA after the trade. He tried to do everything all at once and then got banged up some. I think he's going to settle in. And I think he's going to get to New York in 2017. And the combination of his tools and his personality are going to make him a star in, in New York. It's interesting, you thought for a long time that him and Zimmer would end up kind of sharing that outfield out in Cleveland. He gets traded away. It makes an interesting situation for the Yankees if he does make it to the Bronx in 2017. When you look at the, you have Gardner in left and Ellsbury in center, and then you have maybe Aaron Judge in right. You throw him into the mix, and 
There's a lot of talent out there. Yeah, I think the Yankees in a perfect world would love to trade either Ellsbury or Gardner. And, and the Gardner rumors have been swirling for years. Exactly. Yeah. All right, how about that top five, Jim, and, and obviously a lot of talent. A lot of these guys are obviously center fielders, too, but not all. Right, and I think the guy who, who jumps out for me, I'm, I'll avoid the obvious choice, Andrew Benintendi, who's number one on the list, and I'll make it tough and go all the way down to number two, Victor Robles. <laughs> but but what I, I think Victor Robles, I mean, people who, who follow MLB Pipeline know this guy's a really good prospect. I don't know if people realize exactly how good this guy is. He, he's still so young. He might have the best, he might have the best all-around tools in the minor leagues. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's a plus hitter, he's going to have average power, and, 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 and you know he's young. We might revise that, and he might have more than average power as we see him fill out and get more advanced at the plate. Well above average runner, one of the best defensive players in the minor leagues, well above average arm strength, which is really unusual for a center fielder. I, I think one of the reasons the Nationals traded for Adam Eaton, who I think is long-term going to wind up in right field when Robles is ready, so they could put Trey Turner back at short, have center field for Victor Robles down the road, this guy could, could just be a very, very exciting player. And the thing is, he, he's young, and he hasn't really played above Class A. But these guys who are so talented, and, and, and not, it's not just tools, it's skills, too. They tend to move quickly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Victor Robles was, was playing in Washington by mid-2018. So all these lists are, are out on MLBPipeline.com. You can read through them as well, and I'm sure a lot of people already have out there. How's the feedback so far, you guys? I know you write these lists, and it's a lot of fun, and then... And then the glowing. You know, it's all been positive. <laughs> and there's all I know certain fan bases love to get on you guys a little more than, than others. But overall, um, this year's batch of top tens, how's the, how's the feedback been? I mean, overall, I think it's been good. And listen, we we do these lists to stir debate. You right. Know, this is all subjective. That's the point of lists. We try to be as thorough as we can and talk to as many people as we can. Neither Jim nor I feel that we know everything with any certainty. That's why we talk to a, a lot of scouts and executives and things like that. And uh, But, the, you know, I think if we heard nothing, that would be troublesome, right? I love that there are certain fan bases that really care about their farm system. It seems more and more now. Um, and, and they... They'll let us know, um, you know, especially on Twitter, which is so immediate, uh, that if there's a guy that they feel is low or isn't on the list and should be, uh, they like to tell us. But, I mean, bring it on to me. That's, like, that's why we do this stuff. And very, I, very rarely do you have fans say, hey, you guys ranked this player on my favorite team too high. <laughs> you, know, you, you tend to hear everybody wants to know why, why a guy they like or a place where the team that they like isn't higher. But, you know, a lot of them are a good question. And I've always felt, I mean, I try to – Answer as many of those questions as I can, although we're doing 8 million things this week, so I haven't been as active on Twitter as I usually am. But I do feel like one of the things is when, when you do lists like this, if you're going to say player A is ranked ahead of player B, yeah, you should be able to explain why. You should, you know, people may not agree with you, but you should be able to, to, to give your reasoning. So if we say that, that Victor Robles is better than Austin Meadows, we should have an answer for that. Or if we say that Austin Meadows is better than Uloy Jimenez, okay, why? And if we can't answer that, then then we're not doing our jobs. And people should realize that, that there's a debate here before the list even comes out. I mean, you guys each have your own opinions along with some other people in the pipeline staff, and, and the debate goes around, and sometimes you guys, I think, win those wars, and sometimes you lose the wars, and it all ends up in one place um, that you can defend. And I think when the lists are complete, you guys are pretty happy. Yeah, we, with. we come to blows over this. Thing. <laughs> yeah. No, but I There's think black you know, eyes all this, around. This is not Evan Longoria, Jonathan Mayer. <laughs> right. No, it's not quite that level. But We've come the, full does, circle. No, it doesn't. But you know, I think there's a good opportunity to, to give a shout out to Mike Rosenbaum, yep. who I might think is 
of himself as a third wheel sometimes, but he has a lot of say in, in all of our lists, and he does 10 of our top 30s as well. And, and then uh, we you know, probably should give some love to Jason Ratliff and Willie Kornblatt and Matt Costello and... Let me see. Will Bohr. I feel like I'm Dylan giving Higgins. a speech at the uh, Dylan, Higgins. Dylan Higgins at the uh, at the Academy Awards. I'm going to get uh, played off the stage. They but, the music uh, yeah. Those guys do all the behind the scenes stuff. So when people see it show up on the site, looking all pretty in that nice package all on Prospect Watch, Tim McMaster. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Kyle Casey. Kyle Casey. <laughs> right, and, and you know everybody else in multimedia. So it is, it is a large effort. I mean, Jim and I get uh, you know a lot of the credit, and I guess. The, the blame when people want to complain about it, but uh, there's a lot that goes into these lists. That's the good thing. You get the credit, but you also get the blame. Sure. And, and by all means, people, continue to complain because that's what's fun and that's what it's all about. And, and keep getting on Twitter and getting at these guys. So that's it for the top 10 list. As we've said, the top 100 list will be unveiled Saturday night, MLB Network, also streamed on MLB.com, uh, and then there'll be more debate over the top 100. Obviously, a lot of these guys in the top 10s will be there, so tune in, check that out. That's going to do it for this edition of the Pipeline Podcast. For Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for joining us.